Hey, it's Dr. David Phillips. Welcome to this episode of the Phil Files Christian Edition, where we look at the lectionary texts for the upcoming week. Thanks for joining. Hope you enjoy it today. David Phillips here. Welcome to this episode of Phil Talks Christian Edition. We're going to look at the lectionary text for the week of September 2nd, Labor Day weekend. I hope you uh, have some some good things planned for, with your family, with friends for the Labor Day, and can get away and rest, um, or at least spend some time uh, enjoying your your family and friends. Today we're going to look at the gospel text from the lectionary Matthew sixteen twenty one through twenty eight. Last week we looked at um, the the text just before that Matthew sixteen thirteen through twenty, where Jesus asked the people, "Who do you say that I am?" Asked his disciples, "Who do you say that I am?" And Jesus, uh, Peter said, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Um, he he did that in the most Jewish of places, and so the confession from Christ or from Peter about who Jesus was um, happened in the most Gentile of context. Today we're going to look at at kind of the continuation of that story. Um. And and I I don't usually make lists. I'm not a big list person when I preach, but in this case, I think um, a list is um, is important or valuable. And so today, I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God. One of the things that's been on my mind uh, recently is this idea of the kingdom of God and the fact that. It's really not defined. There's not a true definition of the kingdom of God within Scripture. There, uh, uh, we've we've essentially come to understand the the, the kingdom of God's rule and reign of God, uh, and uh, that's kind of the 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 definition that's used. It's very abstract. It's very um, vague. And so I've been looking at a little bit at the kingdom of God. Uh, trying to get an idea of uh, of a definition, uh, what it looks like, kind of where the origins are, those kinds of things. And so today I want to talk to you about the kingdom because we see kind of the elements of the kingdom of God within this text. Um, Patrick Schreiner uh, has written a small book on the kingdom of God. And he, he is looking at the kingdom of God within the context of the law, the prophets, the writings. So the Old Testament and the New Testament kind of giving a, a, an overview of that. And, it, and it's a very good book. It's by Crossway. Uh, I think it's called The Kingdom of God and the Glory of Christ, or The Glory of God, Um uh, and uh, so I encourage you to pick that up. Um, he essentially defines the kingdom of God as the rule of God, the the over the people of God, um, 
in the realm of God. Or so there is is rule, there is persons, persons, and then there is a place. Um, he 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 says in a footnote that he wants to stretch this a little bit to um, precepts and presence, the presence of God and the precepts of God or the law of God. I th- I think it's probably a good thing to do to. Uh, that would be something good. I want to express um, express it a little more uh, and kind of give you some elements of the kingdom that I see within the context of this passage. And so let's read it, and then we'll talk about the kingdom of God. Starting in verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what he has done what has been done truly i tell you there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the son of man coming in his kingdom so let's talk about uh i started to essentially title this a kingdom without um and then a list of six things and then say a kingdom without these is really not a kingdom but I really just kind of want to describe the kingdom through this passage. And so, uh, for a kingdom kingdom to exist, there has to be a king. And so, we see that in verse 28. Uh, there will some who will not taste death before the sun, they, they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, um, is is coming, and for some it it came um, in the in the in the mind in the heart. Uh, it it came for them back uh, before they 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 didn't taste death before they saw the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Uh, and I think about the in the Old Testament, Enoch and Elisha, who who were taken up, who did not did not die. They entered the kingdom straight from this side of heaven. And there is no kingdom without a king. So the king must be there. And and I think I think. Peter, in his confession prior, in the text prior to this, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Uh, I I think that established 
even though they fully didn't understand what was what was being communicated in in this text kind of confirms that th- th- there was this establishment of Jesus's relationship with God and the kingship that arises out of the work of the uh, uh, the work of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus and so there can't be a king without a kingdom without a king and and so when we look at the the kingdom of God the king of the kingdom is Jesus I would say it's the godhead but it's it's Jesus and and Paul kind of bolsters this argument in Philippians 2. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That at at some point, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That, That bowing, that submission to the King, those acts are are submissive acts before the king. And so the king of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is Jesus. And the second aspect of a king is a kingdom is that kingdoms often result from battles. The, the, particularly in, in the human realm, when we think of the United States, we think of Britain, we think of Japan, Italy, China, Russia, you think of, of all of these countries that have won their independence or won their right to rule themselves, that kingdom, in essence, all of that happened through battle. They won a battle. There was a, a, a victory that occurred. And, and we see that. We see that here in, in verse 21, I think. And, and even in verse 23. The, the, the battle Jesus engages in in this world... Uh, is at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes. Uh, he his fleshly battle was with the religious leaders of of Judaism that were in some ways tied politically to Rome, and so there was a. a religious battle then you see the kind of the 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 bigger picture of that jesus you know our our battle is not against flesh and blood by but by but with the powers and authorities dominions of the spiritual spiritual realm you see that in verse 23 when he says to peter get behind me satan that that peter's rebuke was 
was the same as 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 Satan's uh, Satan's words in Matthew four. An easy kingdom, an easy rulership. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. In other words, saying to Peter, you are acting like Satan did in, in, in the wilderness temptation. And so we need to, to see that that, that, that the kingdom of God is, is constantly engaged in the battle for the hearts and lives and the souls of those who are not in the kingdom. Um, I, I love Colossians 1, where, where Paul is talking about, um, it's that great hymn of Christ. And, and the, the word usage and the language there is this, and the word picture that's created is Jesus has gone into enemy territory and taken back his POWs, his people who were uh, who were prisoners of war and and that's the role that God is engaged in even at this moment where he is working through Christ and through the church to rescue people who have been taken prisoner in battle And so a kingdom doesn't come to be without a battle. And oftentimes a kingdom does not continue to rule and exist apart from a battle. Ultimately, there will come that time where the rule and reign of God will flourish on in the new heavens and the new earth and the old will pass away and the new will come and Satan and his his colleagues will be cast into the lake of fire, whatever that looks like, and will be sentenced to eternity and having no influence over the people of God in the new heavens and new earth. But for now, we are engaged in a battle. And we are to seek out those who do not know Jesus and let the Spirit of God whisper to us the words to speak to share the story of Jesus with those who do not know him. And we fight not with swords and tanks and bullets, but we fight with prayer and we fight through the armor of God the helmet of salvation the breastplate of righteousness the belt of truth we pick up the shield of faith which is able to quench the fiery darts of the enemy and we draw the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and through that our feet are ready to take the story of Jesus the gospel it's it's the idea that we are in actively engaged in a battle 
advancing against the kingdom of darkness. Not being passive, because the gates of hell cannot withstand a church whose foundation is Jesus and who is living out that foundation in the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom has a king, and it is in battle. The kingdom of God has a mindset. You see that in verse 23. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. That's, that's part of the argument that Paul is making in the first two chapters of 1 Corinthians, where he's talking about spiritual and unspiritual, spiritual and immature. In, in, in some ways, we have to have this mindset where we are not focused on human things, on things of this world, but on divine things that come to us through the interaction, relationship, and the presence of a holy God working through the Spirit of God to teach us and move us and motivate us and to have us think with the heart and mind of Jesus. And a kingdom has a specific mindset that is reflected from and, and, and inscribed into our DNA and into our lives through the king and his leadership as they interact and communicate with us and teach us. And so through the Holy Spirit, we set our minds on things above, not on things below. We set our mind on divine things, not on human things. We are spiritual in nature, and we seek out the heart and mind of Christ as the Spirit moves in us and has sought out the heart and mind of God and knows it more deeply and intimately than any person and tries to share that with us who are followers of Jesus so that we can think like him and love like him and live like him and feel like him and experience life like he wants us to. So the kingdom of God has a mindset that is spiritual and divine and not a mindset that is human. And so when things happen in our lives, our, our, our first inclinations with a mindset of God is love and forgiveness, not revenge and anger. It is to seek to treat people, all people, with the same love and grace and mercy that Christ gave us. It is to listen for the words of God and, the, and to do them, to only do what our Father says do and to say what our Father says say, and that comes to us through the Spirit of God. So a king, a battle, a mindset, a people 
verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers. See, a king without people to rule is really not a king. He's just a, a guy with a complex. But a king has followers. The kingdom of God is made up of people who follow the king. And and Jesus says that if you want to become my followers, then you have to surrender. That's the the fifth aspect of of the the kingdom of God is there is an act of surrender. If anyone wants to become my followers, if we want to be part of the people of God, part of the kingdom of God, then we have to surrender. We have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow Jesus. If if we want to save our life, if we want to live in the kingdom, we will have to lose it. For those who lose their life for my sake will find it. And what will it profit if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? In other words, if we want to be followers of of Jesus, to live in the kingdom of God, to serve the king who is God, then we have to surrender. We have to surrender our own heart. We have to surrender our, our own actions. We have to surrender our own mindset. We surrender our, our we don't we, we let go of the brokenness of our past. We don't hold on to it. We let Christ heal it and, and, and use it for service in his kingdom. We have to let go of being kings ourselves. And live in a surrendered lifestyle, bowing before the king in surrender. So a kingdom has a king. The, the kingdom is formed out of a battle. It has a mindset that is divine and spiritual, not human and earthly. The, the kingdom has people who live within it, who have surrendered their will and their rights and their life to follow the king Jesus. And then lastly, the kingdom has a king with a presence. And you you see that in verse 28, but mostly you see it in the fact that Jesus is interacting with his followers. And that's what a king does. A king interacts with his followers. The presence of God is the kingdom of God. Let me say that again, because I think that's important. The presence of God, where the king is, is where the kingdom is. And God is everywhere, even in hell. For there to be any talk of eternal damnation of of Satan. Eternity is only found 
in Jesus. It's only found in the Trinity, in the triune God. And so the presence of God descends even into hell. So the kingdom of God is wherever the king is. And the king is everywhere. And so we have the the kingdom of God is wherever God resides. And when God resides in us, then the kingdom of God is within us. His rule and reign radiate from us. It's not our kingdom to build, so we do not build the kingdom. We live in it, and we serve the king in it. It's the king's responsibility to build his kingdom and to grow it. And he does that through us, through his church. The kingdom of God is not the church. The kingdom of God is not the United States. The kingdom of God is where God is. It is God as king. It is a kingdom that has been formed out of battle. It is a kingdom that has a specific mind that set that is spiritual and and holy, not not earthly and human. It is a people. It's made up of a people who follow the king, who have surrendered their desires and their lives to the king. And in doing that, they find their love. And the presence of the king makes it real. And so this passage, a way that I would preach that is just to work through each of these six things about the kingdom of God. Because it really is, uh, this is maybe Satan trying to do a backdoor version of Matthew 4. And get Jesus to essentially have a, a kingdom with no suffering, a kingdom that is easy, and a kingdom that really isn't bowing down to God. That's how I would preach it. How would you preach this text? What elements would you focus on? I'd love to know. Let me know in the comments. Uh, and also, I'd, I'd love if you would go and review the podcast. It really helps us get the word out about the story of Jesus, the text of the scriptures that are so important to our lives as followers of Jesus. Have a great day. We'll see you uh, again next time.